but monetary policy is hard to, you know, give uh, in, give the incentive to demand side. So mm-hmm. if you look at the social financing in July, it's uh, the lowest in, since 2017. So both uh, the total quantity and also the mid-term and long-term uh, borrowing demand is uh, going down. Uh, okay. Looking at the social financing number, yeah. Okay. Well, sadly, we run out of time, but thank you very much, Shannon. That's Shannon Wu, the chairman of Zheng Bell. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Around the Asia-Pacific markets, the ASX 200 up 0.1%, the Nikkei 225 in Japan down a quarter of a percent. The Cosby is up 0.4%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to be down about 170 points at the open this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Coming up after the news, back chats with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast for today, fine and dry, very hot during the day, maximum temperature of around 34 degrees. It's going to be hot and dry during the day tomorrow as well. There is a very hot weather warning in force and a red fire danger warning. 29 degrees right now, 53% relative humidity. Time's 8.31. Here's Andrew Shrosky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. Police in the Canadian province of Saskatchewan are searching for two suspects after 10 people were stabbed to death and at least another 15 were wounded. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police are investigating 13 possible crime scenes, including the indigenous area of Jane Smith Cree Nation. Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore gave more details at a news conference. Let me be clear. We are still looking for the two suspects. We are asking residents across Saskatchewan and our neighboring provinces to be vigilant. At this stage in our investigation, we believe some of the victims have been targeted by the suspect and others have been attacked randomly. The two suspects are Damian Sanderson and Miles Sanderson. They are considered armed and dangerous. A dangerous person's alert has been extended to the neighboring provinces of Alberta and Manitoba. People in affected areas are being asked to stay indoors and to avoid picking up hitchhikers. The German government has announced a 65 billion U.S. dollar package of support for people and businesses hit by soaring living costs, funded in part by a windfall tax on energy producers. There will also be caps on energy bills. The BBC's Danny Eberhardt has more. The size of the package, more than double the combined figure from two previous such interventions, underlines the seriousness of the crisis. Unser Land steht vor einer schweren Zeit. The truth, said Chancellor Scholz, was that Germany's facing a difficult time. He was at pains to stress how aware he was that many Germans were very worried about the future, but also that his government had their backs. Und es gilt mein Versprechen. You'll never walk alone. It's a phrase he's become fond of using. That solidarity will come in euros, one-off payments to pensioners, students and those on benefits. Germany's president, Frank-Walter Steinmeier, says it's shameful it took his country 50 years to reach a final compensation settlement with relatives of the Israeli athletes murdered in a terrorist attack at the Munich Olympics. Eleven Israelis died during the attack by Palestinian militants. Nine of them were hostages killed during a botched rescue attempt. Speaking alongside his Israeli counterpart, Itzhak Herzog, Mr. Steinmeier said they both welcomed the agreement. You can see 
You can imagine President Herzog and I are both pleased and relieved that shortly before this commemoration and shortly before the state visit, an understanding has been reached between the bereaved families and the German government about historical clarification, about recognition and compensation. We both welcome the outcome of the talks. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat this Monday morning. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the problem of abandoned vehicles, with the Ombudsman uh, calling on the authorities to introduce uh, tougher measures to prevent owners dumping unwanted cars in public spaces. An investigation by the watchdog found that only eight cases had been prosecuted in the past two decades, saying that uh, authorities had focused only on the removal of the unwanted vehicles instead of holding the owners accountable. The Transport Department has said it's planning to introduce a new legislation to hold owners criminally liable if they fail to dispose of their cars or motorcycles properly. The new law is expected to come into effect in early 2024. And after 9.15, we'll hear about some uh, hygiene trouble spots in Saikung District. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can give us a call on 233 Joining us now in our Admiralty studio, we have uh, Paul Zimmerman, Southern District Councillor and CEO of Designing Hong Kong. And on the line, Alok Jane, CEO and Managing Director of uh, TransConsult. Uh, good morning to you both. Uh, perhaps, uh, uh, Paul Zimmerman, we can uh, come to you first. Uh, uh, Paul, uh, how bad is this uh, problem of uh, abandoned vehicles around the Territory? It, it has improved somewhat uh, lately, but I, I guess it has uh, started to improve when the ombudsman started to seriously investigate and then everybody took their responsibilities a bit uh, bit more serious. But uh, you know, the, the, it, it, as a district councillor, I had to clear and ask Lens Department and the police regularly to remove abandoned vehicles uh, at the Portuguese Cemetery at, uh, at uh, just off Mount Davis Road, uh, a quiet road up Mount Davis, uh, a small road. The, this kind of unguarded uh, behind uh, Waterfall Bay. And uh, yeah, people would dump the cars there and they would park there, but also a lot of uh, vehicle traders, they would uh, use this as cheap parking spaces of cars that they had with expired licenses, but uh, waiting probably for a sale. And the same in Sai Kung, uh, you know, I live in, in Clearwater Bay, mm. and uh, in the same probably in the villages, um, the removal of, uh, of old vehicles is an, is, is an issue, and, and still is an issue today. Mm. And this has been going on for many years, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I became a district councillor in 2010, and we had the problem then, um, and uh, chasing around for somebody to do something about it, so going to all the various government departments, uh, was always a challenge to actually then push them hard enough to make sure that the cars were removed. Paul, good morning. Hey, morning. Um, Paul, I remember dealing with this problem 40 years ago. Uh, well, you are a young man. When I, when I was a younger man, not necessarily young, yes, at the age as Assistant District Officer for Ireland. Um, and one thing I've always wondered, and maybe you could comment on this, why don't we uh, give an incentive in the sense of 
a refundable deposit on all new car sales so that you pay, I don't know, 300000 400000 for your car or more, and you pay an extra 100000 or 10% of the value of the car, whichever is the higher, a deposited with the government, reimbursable when you dispose of the car or the final owner disposes of the car properly. Yeah, that's uh, the current, you've seen the Ombudsman report, so um, it's now on the Transport Department to come up with a mechanism uh, where you have to properly dispose of the vehicle and you have to demonstrate you've done so, and uh, otherwise you're liable for fines and costs. So uh, whether you don't put a kind of a deposit system in there as well, as you just uh, suggest, why not? You've got to look at the value of that. Make sure you don't put vehicles out of reach of people that need it but don't have as much financial means as for some other car owners. Because you've got people now emigrating and they just dump the car and walk away. You, you're not going to prosecute them. You're not going to extradite them from, from Canada or Australia or the UK just so that you can prosecute them for dumping their car. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not sure that that is the, uh, the biggest, uh, uh, the largest group of people, but it is, of course, a specific issue of our times today that we have pe people leaving town and leaving vehicles and uh, home furniture and everything else behind as they leave. Because ha is it right for the taxpayer to be hiring contractors to remove these cars? No, ultimately, you've got to be on the owner, uh, and so finding a good mechanism. I mean, that's what the Ombudsman now uh, proposes. But I think the issue here is also that Ombudsman had looked at this, uh, no, it was the auditor had looked at this 20 years ago and made recommendations that the Transport Department had to look at the legislation, and 20 years later, they still hadn't done it. Yes. And I think, and this is an issue that you know you come across everywhere in in, in the government that we have outdated uh, legal mechanisms. Um, it, it's always the excuses that it takes too long to make these changes. Yes. But we now know that you know national security law can be done in a very short period of time. I mean, why can't we change the legislation around I, the transport department issue around parking and I, car I, ownership? Yes, I remember the audit department telling me that I could not get rid of these uh, dumped cars uh, easily because they were government assets and they needed to be uh, disposed of in accordance with proper procedures and put up for tender. Well, that, in general, that's the case. I mean, anything that once it goes into formal procedures, then the government always has to be very careful they don't get sued because they did something wrong. So once it goes formal, uh, then, yeah, then it's an expensive process. Uh, anything that the government formally does is, is always a bit more cumbersome. Uh, but trying to avoid that... Um, you know, I think the the ones, the people that are on the street, uh, the cleaners, they've definitely mentioned by the ombudsman. But so the FEHD staff, we've got uh, more than 10,000 staff cleaning the streets. If they would report the location of an abandoned vehicle or a vehicle with an expired license, that would already help a lot because those are the, these people are the eyes on the street. So you're going to empower them and basically provide them a camera um, and they can photograph the location with a GPS and um, pass it on to the various departments. And then between TD and the lens department, they're just going to sort out who takes responsibility. Um, I've, been, I've, rely, I've relied on the police a lot, making sure that the police keeps ticketing uh, these dumped cars um, so that the, uh, the cost for the, um, the owner goes up. OK, let's bring in Alok Jain, CEO and Managing Director of Transconsult. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Uh, thanks for joining us. So, so uh, is part of the problem here actually being able to track down who are the owners of these abandoned vehicles? 
Well, that should not be a problem at all. I see this more of a problem of uh, interdepartmental coordination. I think all the data about the vehicle owners is pretty much there. From the moment a person decides to purchase a vehicle, the the data is with the government, and and they use it for all kind of enforcement purposes. And I think this is just, you know, not having a strong will to enforce some of the, 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 the mechanisms that are already in place. Yes, a, a, a new law which is specifically addressing abandoned vehicle would help, but I think we also have a lot of other laws regarding obstructing, uh, you know, the public property and or, uh, you know, even littering laws. We have all of those, and those can also be utilized uh, to enforce the existing problem. But currently, I mean, as I see the Ombudsman report, it's a typical problem where one department passes the ball to another and another department passes the ball to somebody else and nobody wants to hold the responsibility. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right, Alok. The, um, currently, if, you can, if I go back to the spots where I have usually uh, cars illegally parked or, or they're dumped that are out of, out of registration, it, the problem has, uh, has, has gone away since the Ombudsman has started to do the investigation. And then, so they've, they've already suggested that the Home Affairs Department is trying to coordinate police and lends department resources to uh, to uh, to solve the issue as much as possible within the existing legal framework, and it's it's working. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, stop people pointing fingers. But, but is it is it working in the sense that the original owner is being held accountable? Ah, that I don't know. I know uh, the only thing I care about is that the vehicle is no longer uh, put right. along that road. It, it, it comes. Yeah, I can take you now from the studio. Well, not from yours. From this studio in Broadcast Drive. I can take you to the access road to Jungwano village and we'll find a dozen cars would have been yeah. there with the number plates removed. Yeah. And therefore, it's not easy to find out who is the owner. It oh, is no, no, easy no. to remove the vehicle when you, if you kick the lands department or whoever and get them to remove it. But even if you remove the number plate, the vehicles are still traceable because they have a chassis number. And, yes. and that chassis number is unique and it's very hard for... Uh, to tamper with. Yeah. So it, they are always traceable uh, in that sense, they even are. if you remove the number plate. It's, it's a, a bit lot, more work. It's a lot of work, isn't it? As you can see, the yeah. departments are not willing to, to do the extra work. Yeah, but if you yeah, mention- giving traffic fines is a lot of work, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we know that the cost of traffic imposition of traffic fines is also quite costly. But uh, having said that, this is exactly why public persons uh, you know, enforcement activities so that it doesn't inconvenience the general public. Mm-hmm. And I think that needs to be done. And that needs to go out as a clear message to people who then, uh, you know, who abandon vehicles. I mean, right now, the situation is, if I dispose of my vehicle properly uh, through a proper you know, transport department uh, channel, then I'm actually, you know, the stupid one, because you know, I could have just left, left the car on the street and, and walked away and it would be cleared by someone else, which is not the right way to do uh, or, you know, look at public resources. Mm-hmm. Now, now the, uh, the Transport Department put out a news release uh, after the Ombudsman's report came out, uh, just kind of reminding people that the, uh, the government is planning to amend the road traffic registration and licensing of vehicles regulations uh, so that uh, uh, vehicles unlicensed for two years, uh, the registered owner will commit an offence if he or she takes no action to renew the vehicle licence, cancel the registration or obtain an exemption from the Commissioner for Transport. Now, um, how useful is that going to be? 
Hello, Jane? I think, well, I think that this is going to address only part of the problem. Again, remind is a, is a very soft word in, in enforcement terms. And I think, uh, I mean, some people will obviously comply with that. And, and most of the citizens who are law-abiding citizens, they would do. But having said that, there are still, there will be defaulters. And, and if there is still this um, lacuna where they say they're, they're not, not able to trace the, the vehicle owners, I think uh, that's going to be creating a problem again. Yeah, and from my perspective, it's, it's that's two years. So because the, the car standing on the side of the road for two years in a place where we uh, we don't have space for it or no space allocated for it, so uh, it, so it it solves a problem to a certain extent, uh, but not entirely. Um, and as far as uh, what uh, you know, Mike just mentioned, Chunquano um, area. Yeah, you talk about village land, and so the ownership uh, of the land is an issue, and also if vehicles are parked. Uh, there are no um, uh, public uh, lights along the road, and if you're within uh, 50 meters of a public light, um, you, you need to be properly parked in a proper parking space. But in villages, you, you don't have these street lights, so um, you can park your car there, and you, you don't, you're not subject to parking tickets. So, um, so then you come down to, to the, then the police can't do much. So then the question is what the lens department can do. But if it's private land, and again, they're limited in terms of what they can do. So you can have dumped. Uh, vehicles on those uh, village right. areas. Okay, it's 8.47. You're listening to Backchat. Are we getting one prosecution per two and a half years? It's pretty good, good work by the <laughs> bureaucrats. <laughs> yeah. That just strikes me as not much of a deterrent. Not at all. Absolutely not. In fact, and, and not only that, there are uh, agents, you know, or the vehicle mechanics who, who peddle this as, a, as an incentive to people. They say, okay, we will dispose it for you, and they, they just go and leave it uh, on the street somewhere. And, and, and especially in new territories where there's a lot of, uh, you know, fallow land, they, they just, you know, leave the vehicles abandoned there. And, and I think this is, this is a more of an organized, done in a very organized manner, rather than some random individuals going around and leaving their vehicles. Okay, a few comments here on our Facebook page. Uh, Henry says, I found many abandoned cars uh, for a number of years in Shartin Pass Road, which mm -hmm. is a, fav a favourite exercise route for people yeah. in uh, Siwan and other districts. Uh, this is a typical case of not invented here mentality in the Hong Kong government and each uh, CE uh, came over with extensive discussions with people, visits to cage homes etc where many and were many and yet these obvious problems remain for decades or centuries I think unless the CE or President Xi comes over would those abandoned cars uh, be removed um, uh, Steve it says uh, Namwai Village has cars that were dumped there in the 60s. Classic Jaguars, Rolls Royces, Humbers and ah, yeah. London taxis are all hidden in the undergrowth. Still there. Just metres from the road. And uh, Richard says uh, if the transport department people got out of their air-conditioned offices once in a while and made their way out here to cowboy country, they would be shocked at the number of abandoned vehicles dumped on public roads. The I'm not sure it's public road. Uh, OK, well, it's, uh, okay. it says the new law needs mm. to come in to effect now, not in 2024. Uh, okay. Um. Well, I also see abandoned vehicles, you know, in many places on footpaths. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. people just block the footpath, they put their car up there and just leave it there. Mm -hmm. and, and that is certainly a prosecutable, should be a prosecutable offence because it's an obstruction uh, to, uh, uh, first, it, the place of parking is not correct and second, it creates an obstruction. 
do all kind of things. So police should be looking into this. I mean, what surprises me in that ombudsman report is that uh, they they don't look at any part of the enforcement at Hong Kong police uh, because I think traffic enforcement is so squarely into their domain at the moment and they should be taking much stringent action against a lot of these abandoned vehicles. Mm. Um, the ombudsman also said that uh, she would like to see penalties for abandoning vehicles which, uh, act, uh, which are large enough to act as a proper deterrent. I mean, would either of you su sort of suggest a figure um, which may be able to do that? Well, I think Mike mentioned a figure, hmm. I, I, which I, I thought is, is quite appropriate. <laughs> and I actually like Mike's idea that you put it up front and then, then give it back to people when, when they that was for are the, responsible the enough. Yeah. That's right, an incentive. Because we focus on punishment, there's very little enforcement as we know. Yeah. Um, how about an incentive? And the incentive's there. Every time the car changes hand, that refundable deposit goes with the car. So the ultimate owner, doesn't matter if it's the first owner or the sixth or tenth owner, has a positive incentive to dispose of the vehicle hmm. properly. Well, and I think 10 grand will be enough. I mean, it's, it's, the market is very sensitive to this pricing. So 10 grand, I'm sure, is enough for uh, making sure that people get the, uh, get the vehicle off the road. Hmm. Now, now, speaking as someone who's not a car owner, I've never owned a car in Hong Kong because the public transport's so good, but that's another, uh, <laughs> that's another story. But So if your car is old, do you want to get rid of it or replace it or whatever? Um, are the facilities, in order to do so, adequate for that? Ah, I, I, I don't know where it goes. I mean, you can get rid of it and people will buy it or you pay for it to get it, have it dumped. But then it goes to the new, new territories, to these wrecking yards, uh, yeah. and exactly what happens with the materials and uh, what is the status of those wrecking yards, um, to, much, uh, to, to what extent has EPD good control over the standards of operation. Um, I'm doubtful. I mean, these are STT, these are short-term tenancies on, on, um, on pieces of agricultural land that are temporarily used for, uh, for brownfields and uh, the standards of control is, is very poor but so the wrecking industry in Hong Kong is not a very um, not a very nice one or a very good one and that's another area that needs to be addressed what is the proper well, way I, I, can I just uh, I mean yeah, I, I know the vehicle transport department also has some vehicle disposal centers and most of the vehicles the reason why there are no wrecking facilities in Hong Kong is most of the disposed in Hong Kong, they are sent overseas to you know, third world countries where they are still um, they hold value, and 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 that's that's a business in itself. So Hong Kong probably doesn't need as much of wrecking facilities, but what we no need certainly is a proper disposal mechanism for these vehicles. Well, yeah, supposing I wanted to get rid of my car hmm. um, properly, legally, what would I do? Tell you, tell the guy that handles your car, who's who's your repair <laughs> car repairer. He'll tell you exactly. He he can handle for you. He can get rid of it. He he'll, he'll price for it. He will quote you five thousand dollars to dump your car if it's not worth trading. And then he'll he'll do what with it? He'll sell it to some fellow who has a what I call a wrecking yard or a trading yard, if uh, Olive Jane uh, has, has his way, um, where the car is you know I don't put up in parts. And the parts go into containers to Africa. Or, uh, or otherwise, and how, they sit there. Alok, is that, yes, is that your, how you read the market as well? Oh, yes. I mean, I have seen Hong Kong cars uh, flying in many parts of the world. I mean, I've seen Hong Kong minibuses running in Afghanistan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
So yeah, I mean, these vehicles uh, that come out of Hong Kong are still in pretty, uh, I would say, operable condition in many parts of the world. Okay, a couple of more messages here from listeners. Uh, James writes in an email, Mike is onto something with his idea of a car disposal deposit. We're going to need something like this to take care of uh, all the EV batteries, which will likely be illegally dumped in the coming decade. As Tesla batteries get too old to push the car along, can we really see the owner acting responsibly uh, if Hong Kong even had the recycling capacity to take care of them? Or will these large toxic consumables end up in a new territory's nuller? And uh, James writes, uh, let's not muck around here. It's taken 20 years to do nothing. Serve a notice giving owners uh, six months to reclaim the vehicle or the department has the right to seize it and sell it so that money goes into a special fund to help the less privileged uh, members of the community or for NGOs. Um, that's from uh, James. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, both of those are from the, the, the first James's point about um, electric vehicle uh, va uh, batteries, is that something that we should be s sort of thinking about and planning for now? No, not just the electric vehicle batteries, the regular batteries. I mean, they're dumped all over the place. There's now a battery recycling facility in, um, in Eco Park uh, built by the Pong family. And um, that one is, is half empty because the batteries are being dumped on the side of the road and there is no incentive to get them back. Uh, to the processor, so uh, deposits on 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 body on the, on on these kind of uh, items, the batteries of cars, will be a really good idea to make so sure people actually process them, uh, return them, and so for processing. Could it expand to other goods as well that are difficult to? or too well, much trouble to get rid of properly? Plastic bottles, <laughs> glass <laughs> bottles. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a similar idea. Refrigerators, Refrigerator, computers, yeah, exactly. Um, Alok Jane, you were saying uh, earlier that uh, part of the problem here is the involvement of uh, multiple government uh, departments and, uh, and agencies and no one department actually taking a, a clear responsibility. Uh, the, the Transport Department did say that it, all along it has been proactively facilitating interdepartmental joint operations to clear abandoned vehicles on public roads. Um, but I guess then you would say that such efforts have not been effective enough. Well, they have been effective to the sense that these are cleaning operations mm. rather than enforcement operations. Mm. And what we need here is holding people accountable who, who do these, who abandon their vehicles. And, and that is not being done. So it's not... not seen as a deterrent, rather it is seen as an incentive for you to just leave your vehicle where you don't need it. Right. Uh, and I think that's the problem here. So interdepartmental coordination to clean the streets is a different thing from stopping people from abandoning their vehicles. And I think we need laws at the moment which prosecutes these people who use the public land and, and leave their vehicles and, and just abandon them and, and go away. Paul, would it be fair to say that if you are, as an individual councillor are determined enough, you can get an operation to clear a vehicle or group of vehicles? The problem is the system. 
Oh, absolutely. So um, yeah. the system really is uh, the best system that works for me is take photographs of the vehicle and the vehicle license plate and uh, mark the location and send it off to uh, 1823 and uh, and keep repeating it. And then a month later, if the car is still there, you do the same thing again and then repeat it. And then at some stage there is a joint operation because of all that pressure and then and then it gets cleared. Uh, but to uh, but it can take time. I mean, uh, my longest time that it took to get three cars removed from the mount, from the small road up to Mount Davis, uh, the mountain itself, that small road that goes up to the uh, to the youth facility there, mm. um, that took about three to four months to get the cars out of the way, and that 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 was a regular one month kind of like sending the photographs in and says, "What are you doing about it?" So it could take a long time. Mm. Yeah, and, and also a couple of couple of other things there, uh, Paul, is that I have done very similar thing. And first thing, we don't know whether this is an abandoned vehicle or it's an illegally parked vehicle. So expired so license, expired license. Yeah. So and then uh, if you send it to Hong Kong police or something, they, they don't entertain it much because they don't take photographic evidence. And then you need to call them and show them. Only then it works. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a very tedious process for any member of the public to report and get it cleared. It's not as straightforward uh, at the moment. Mm. So obviously, I mean, if you ask me, most how many people would know uh, who to call in lands department or, or transport department? Uh, usually the first point of call is transfer, is police, and they report it to the police and then nothing happens. No, no, the best thing is to do 1A23. The unfortunate thing is that 1A23 doesn't necessarily, uh, is not the vehicle for making reports to, uh, or the mechanism for making reports to the police. Uh, but uh, you should, always people should mark, please clear this car, here's the photograph and the location, uh, and send it to tell me, tell me at 1A23.gov.hk. Mm-hmm. And that's your best, uh, your best bet. At least it gets recorded, and um, mm-hmm. these the reports and there's uh, annual, annually there is a report from 1823 in, inside government to, to see how speedily issues have been resolved so uh, I, I invite the public tell me at 1823.gov.hk use this do use that channel okay okay Paul Zimmerman thanks very much thanks for speaking to us on the program this morning that was a southern district councillor and CEO of designing Hong Kong Paul Zimmerman Alok Jane uh, please stay with us for, for a bit longer we'll be back at three minutes past nine after the news summary uh, a quick look at the weather it's going to be fine and dry very hot during the day top temperature around 34 degrees uh, the outlook remaining very hot and very dry during the day tomorrow occasional showers on wednesday and thursday currently 30 degrees humidity 52 percent red fire danger warning and very hot weather warnings in effect verification about recognition and compensation we both welcome the outcome of the talks You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome back to Back Chat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And on this morning's programme, we're going to continue our discussion about the problem of abandoned vehicles on public roads in the countryside, on footpaths and, and various places around the territory. Um, we have with us um, Alok Jain, CEO and Managing Director of Transconsult. We're also now joined on the line by Ringo Lee, uh, President of the Hong Kong Automobile Association. Uh, Mr Lee, good morning to you. Hello, good morning, everybody. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, so yeah. we were talking uh, before the break about uh, uh, the complications involved uh, with this uh, issue, which has been um, a long-running matter over a number of years. Um, the Transport Department um, has said that it's uh, aiming to amend the registration and, uh, and licensing uh, regulations. So what do you think uh, really needs to be done to get on top of this problem? Uh, 
<laughs> okay. Uh, this issue has been uh, brought to the government from 2000, and thousands of uh, vehicles have been cancelled in each year. It is uh, badly possible to estimate the actual number of a branded car only by record case in record. So therefore, the real situation is worse than the record we have. Why do you think that is, Mr. Lee? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think so. The, the uh, mm -hmm. branded vehicle is special from the motorcycle in the city. Yeah, uh, this is a long time uh, happen in this case. So I, 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 I think so. The, uh, the situation is uh, worse than the records. So what are we going to do about it? Uh, of course, yes. Uh, uh, now the government uh, will be taking a law, right? And yes, uh, this only when the law are well designed from uh, whom a branded vehicle with a low uh, uh, justified reasons. Uh, by the latest ideas, it will be uh, punishing the owner who declared the apply the vehicle registration uh, renew over two years, right? Mm. Uh, but I, I hope so. The owner should be allowed to uh, discontinue the vehicle registration. When they would like keep them in private area, like private garage or proper uh, parking area, yeah. But uh, we've already got laws uh, which are not really being enforced very much. Will new laws help? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I think. I, I, I think so. The law is I can uh, uh, with a justified reason. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, but of course, uh, I hope so. Had, had another, I just told, told me before that there is some exemption from the counters. Yes. Yeah. What do you think of the idea of an incentive to get rid of the car properly, dispose of the car properly? by having a refundable deposit when you buy the car? Yes. Um, <clears throat> as I said before, the owner should be allowed uh, to uh, discontinue the vehicle and should not be punished if uh, they keep the vehicle in proper space. Okay. Okay. The, the, the new proposal should <coughs> be able to target the uh, blended vehicle in public space. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the former owner is a record, should be reasonable to give our necessary information mm -hmm. to justify themselves. And others, I hope the government can provide supporting facility before the penalty or charge them uh, take effort so that can owner can dispose the old car at reasonable cost. That's a very important. Yes. Okay. Um, do you think it's uh, uh, the? Well, I asked this before the break. I mean, do you think there are enough uh, facilities to enable owners to dispose of their older vehicles at reasonable cost? 
Yes. Mm. <laughs> uh, I am a, a, a big at the loss now mm. because uh, the car owner didn't know what to do, mm. and the in, if the, uh, the 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 industry is full, right? And I don't know how to detail with it. If the correct way car uh, dispose cannot be done in the private car disposal centers, I, I hope so. The government must be uh, obliged to propose to collect and be aided uh, a sensible, reasonable and compliant approach. Okay. It's coming up to 9.09. You're listening to Backchat. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. You can also email us at backchat at rthk.hk or leave a message on our Facebook page, uh, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Um, we do have a few comments on our Facebook page already this morning. A few more emails here as well. Just a couple I'd like to read out. Uh, this one from Jeffrey says... Uh, uh, there are a number of vehicles that remove the number plate to avoid a parking fine. Some bikes have uh, magnets to take it away when they park. Uh, traffic wardens need to be able to put parking fines based on uh, chassis number or engine number. Better still, microchip vehicles, the same way that we do cats and dogs. Um, and this one from Elliot... Um, this issue isn't just seen on back roads in villages. Uh, places like the Pak Tam Chung car park in Sai Kung also have uh, both cars and buses parked for long periods of time without expired registrations and parking tickets like flags stuck on their windscreens. My guess is these buses were previously used to drive mainland tourists around. The government should have offered a place for the owners of these buses to park them to keep them out of the way until tourists can return. Thank you, that from Elliot. Um, um, Alok Jane, um, should the government uh, be offering places for, for buses, for tour buses, to be uh, kept when they're not being used? Well, uh, not, not in a normal course of business, surely, because uh, that's, uh, that's not really uh, government's job. Uh, it should be any commercial entity's responsibility to find a proper mm. parking place. But obviously what Hong Kong went through in the last few years and a number of tourist-related impositions uh, for people coming in uh, were imposed by the government. I think what government normally should do is uh, they have these STT sites and they should make them available um, maybe at a fee uh, to these operators where these vehicles can be parked because they have to go somewhere. I mean, there's a physical problem. They can't just be, you know, cannot just vanish overnight. And obviously, they, nobody knew that this is going to last this long, uh, you, know, you know, in advance. So obviously, they are all hoping that the market would revive and the business would come back, and, and hence, they want to keep the asset. So yes, I mean, those kind of extraneous arrangements could have been done at the times like these, but I don't think that should be done in a normal course of business. Right. Well, Mr. Jean, the of course, the government, if it has the land, can offer a short-term tenancy, or if it's private land and their owner, but it's designated for other purposes, the government can allow a short-term waiver so that the land could be used for a different purpose, i.e. parking. But you come back to the fundamental point that was mentioned earlier, that 
if, uh, by one of our listeners that if the vehicle is now parked illegally somewhere else for free, what is the incentive for the owner of the vehicle to uh, rent land to park it properly? No, absolutely, and that's why I said it from the beginning, that the enforcement is really a most important tool in that box uh, of the tools that the governments usually have. If there's no enforcement, uh, people who actually follow the rules or follow the law or follow the advice would be the people who will feel stupid at the end of it because, you know, other people get away by doing nothing, you know, and uh, or just leaving their vehicles there. Right. And hence, enforcement is a very important aspect of that toolbox. Uh, another email here from uh, listener Jeff says we should not allow anyone to own or register a vehicle unless they can prove they have a dedicated parking lo location, same way we prove insurance. Um, uh, Mr. Lee, I mean, is yes. part of the problem that there are uh, too many cars now? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, because uh, you know the government, the, the, the policy... Uh, all the building now to build in from the uh, new territory, right? So mm. many uh, owner or the car driver should be take the car is uh, uh, go back to uh, office at Central or the Kowloon or something like that. So I hope so. Uh, the government should be take this uh, consider to build up uh, some uh, uh, light public car park or uh, make the uh, MTR. Uh, uh, Papa, uh, 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 that may be uh, uh, control the car number, may be better, yes. Because, um, Alok Jane, uh, certain parts of Hong Kong, certain parts of the territory have seen a, quite a big increase in population, uh, a large increase in the number of cars on the road, but, uh, but no commensurate increase in parking spaces. Yes. Uh, is that, is, this is part of the problem, is it? Part of the problem indeed, but I think the bigger problem is the car ownership in Hong Kong. Yeah. And, and if you look at the numbers from the government, uh, which are publicly available from TD, um, the numbers have kept going up, whereas the, the you know, amount of public road space in Hong Kong has not increased by a commensurate amount. And if you also see from the data that comes from annual traffic census, uh, the amount of per, per kilometer uh, that is driven by individual vehicles in Hong Kong is constantly increasing. So we are not just having more vehicles on the road. We are also driving them more, more kilometers. Uh, and, and obviously that is causing a lot of other issues, which, are, which is, of course, a completely separate topic from what we are discussing today. Mm -hmm. But having said that, that is, of course, a fundamental problem where we have too many cars or cars are too affordable. So people just go change their cars or flip their cars. Uh, so I think, yes, that should be addressed at, the, at a more strategic level where the government should look at the whole policy about the private car ownership in Hong Kong and if that is the way to go for Hong Kong in future. Also, some, and is there anything we can do to restrain the use of the vehicles? Mm, I yes. mean, people, it's often said that ownership of ability to drive a private car is a normal human aspiration... Um, but I can't think of any alternative to uh, fiscal means. Charge for vehicle use. Charge more vehicle tax on the fuel. But if, we, if we're going to EVs, that tool disappears, doesn't it? So how about road pricing? 
pricing has always been on the agenda. I mean, since 1980s, Hong Kong has been talking about road pricing. And we had this, uh, you know, many of the false starts with, and, and stops with, with this road pricing uh, initiative. I think we have also always, you know, burned a lot of millions of dollars in public funds and doing trials and studies and whatnot. Yes. But I think... We, you know, generally road pricing. Somehow there is a there is a big lobby in Hong Kong which is against the idea of road pricing in, under the guise of privacy, under the guise of you know a number of those things. But uh, but obviously technology is ready. Many countries around the world, London has done it, Stockholm has done it, uh, New York is talking about it. So a lot of cities around the world are are going down that pathway of road pricing and pay per use. Uh, you know, so more you use your vehicle more you pay. Singapore is also moving towards their ERP 4.0 strategy, which is exactly, so every car would have a chip, and then the mileage that you drive would then be, uh, you know, payable. Uh, you, you pay it by the mileage or the amount of time that you drive, put the car on the road. Mm. So yes, those mechanisms are all there, the technology is there. We just need somebody at the leadership level to stand up and say, this is what we are going to do in Hong Kong. Mm. And I think that will address a lot of problems. A number of studies have shown that it is feasible and it is uh, certainly would achieve uh, a lot of objectives that Hong Kong wants to achieve. Okay, well, thank you both uh, very much for taking part in our discussion this morning. Uh, that was Alok Jain, CEO and Managing Director of uh, TransConsult. And thanks very much to Ringo Lee, who's President of the Hong Kong Automobile Association. And before nine o'clock, we heard from uh, Paul Zimmerman, Southern District Councillor and CEO of Designing Hong Kong. Just before we move on to our next uh, topic, uh, uh, an email here from Mark says, perhaps the problem is that people don't know how to dispose of their unwanted vehicles. I vaguely recall that uh, some years ago, when I decided to get rid of my car, I paid about uh, a $100 fee for a government-related dis car disposal company to take my vehicle legally. Perhaps a bit of publicity in this regard will help. Thank you very much uh, for that. Um, we're now going to turn our attention to the uh, northwest area of uh, Hong Kong. Uh, we're joined on the line by uh, Sai Kung District East. Councillor uh, Christine Fong. <laughs> Sorry, north, I said northwest, didn't I? I meant northeast. Sorry about that. Uh, so, um, yeah, um, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, uh, now, you, you may have heard a little bit of our discussion uh, just now when we were talking about uh, abandoned vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, ca can we just ask you about that? What's, what's yeah, the situation that, that for you In like fact, over... Yeah. Also, uh, one of the issues that we can... Uh, have a better environment, um, living environment, to mm. tackle the hygiene issue as well. So I, I really welcome the uh, transport authority consider may consider to amend the law to to uh, tackle this kind of abundant vehicles. This mm. is a long story and long time uh, problem that in in our area, no matter in Sai Kung and Chuan Kwan oh, Yeah, I was going to ask about that. How serious is it in your district? Well, it's, it's horrible. I would say uh, there are many abundant vehicles uh, all around in our district. No matter in, because uh, in Sai Kong and Chuan Kwan, we have um, countryside, village area, uh, and also the town area. And also we have a uh, industrial area. So there are many uh, abundant vehicles, no matter uh, uh, so, uh, motor, motor, motor car, and as well as motorcycle. 
and also some uh, heavy lorry. Mm-hmm. They they abundant are in everywhere or in the village, in the mm-hmm. in the entrance of the village. They just dump it, or even uh, you know become a rotten, rusted uh, item for many years. So even uh, throughout the years, uh, I received many villagers uh, or villager village representative. They they raised the complaints. But uh, the transport department uh, replies they, they couldn't find the right owners because they take off the license plate. So uh, in a way, they, they found difficulty to sue the right person. But uh, this time, the, uh, the transport authorities, uh, Ms. Law, they raise, uh, they, they, they may consider to amend the law um, to find the owners who who is the last one, the last owner that that they dump, uh, they have the regist- uh, registration in the transport de- department. That may that may work out if if they, of course they firstly they have to amend the law. So uh, if, if not, they you know people may may doubt whether they have this authority. So I think if once they amend the law and if they uh, push up the action, take up the action, I think this is a really good thing for our uh, whole environment to, to stop those uh, uh, people who, who just simply dump their car without uh, consideration. Right. Apart from the abandoned vehicles uh, problem, uh, mm-hmm. what are the other troubles or uh, hygiene perspective in Saikong District? Um, besides, uh, for the hygiene uh, angle, Besides the abundant car, uh, because some some rats they may you know hit it in, in uh, or uh, stay in those rotten things. So uh, the signboard, uh, also the abundant sign uh, signboard, also is one of the uh, consideration. So I think uh, for this kind of uh, for this time, the government launched the interdepartmental district matter to have a task force to to uh, focus on the hygiene issue yes. that would be a a good start uh, within this three months um, other issue would be uh, some um, you know um, commercial in a way or the market um, they they all they most most of the time like uh, uh, vegetables uh, they're selling vegetables or fruits uh, in Saikong, somehow they, uh, their items are too many, and then they just put it outside, and then probably doing their selling e- uh, uh, issue, they they you know just make the environment a bit dirty and and block the road. So that's another issue that we we need to tackle. Uh, in uh, also um, the the pigeon is also another problem, uh, pigeon and also. Um, the, the pig, uh, the, the the wild pig, uh, they they eating the the garbage tank that somehow mm. in a way, mm. uh, and the pigeon, um, the feces from the pigeon all around the the city, somehow um, that they also uh, have a virus maybe you know being spread, so that kind of uh, things also uh, we need to we dress up we address on. Uh, and also the black spot, uh, some of the black spot would be next to the garbage collection point in Saikong and Changwano. Right. People used to dump those uh, items that they don't, they don't like, uh, including furniture, 
um, you know, big matches or whatever you think, and even television somehow. Somehow, but of course, right now the environmental bill they they have a collection way, a better way to collect. So that will be. Um, Saving uh, yellow, we call that. That can be another issue. But most of the big furniture being dumb, and also some uh, construction waste from the uh, um, uh, decoration. I mean, those so uh, people are went away their house. They may, you know, simply dump those um, um, uh, painting or painting off or those kind of uh, air conditioners. Those kind of big items will take. They will simply dump next to the garbage collection pond. That that caused a lot of problems to the to the FEHD, right. to the Food and Environmental Health Department. So that is also not fair. So so uh, this time, um, the government launched this kind of uh, cleaning Hong Kong uh, campaign. Uh, the slogan is "We can make it <laughs> for a better living environment." I think, um, especially the ex- ex- expert uh, expertise in uh, who are living in uh, in in Hong Kong. I think most of the uh, expertise they uh, or uh, people from uh, other country they they have this kind of ha- good habit. I believe we can you know work out together. Especially, I met many. Um, I meet many um, um, people in who are living in Keywater Bay, Saigon. Mm-hmm. They have very good habits. So I hope uh, it can influence uh, the general public to have a better strategy mm-hmm. to tackle this, this uh, hygiene problem. Okay, you mentioned dumping of unsold vegetables and fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And that surely is going to attract uh, creatures to consume the food, isn't it? So, especially the pigs. I was thinking of the wild boars. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is somehow uh, the the major problem is in the Saikong uh, town. Saikong town. Some of the um, you know individual market. Uh, I mean, uh, store. They they sell those uh, uh, fresh fruit or items. They just you know uh, put it outside of the, the their store in front of the street. Right. So uh, during the the sell and buy, the anti sell and buy, they 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 queue up and and make the street uh, dirty and wet and uh, probably not doing good. So so it will affect uh, you know attract the rats and and you know cockroach whatever. So that kind of thing right. uh, have to be. It, it should not be one off um, scheme in a way. So I hope the government, uh, particularly FEHD, will uh, will have more. Um, uh, they can, you know, act um, with the law to exercise uh, to um, to warn those um, um, uh, store uh, uh, operators yes. to do a better way. Some of them, at the end of the day, if they've got unsold goods, they cut the price to get rid of the <laughs> remaining stock. Um, that that seems to be a, a window there. That if it, if they can't just sell it even for any any money at all, uh, they, they just dump it. Mm. Do we need to be sending vans round to collect it at the end of the of the business day? Yeah, in fact, this is a, a excellent um, action 
or idea that that uh, I, we strongly support as a environmental is, uh, recycling issue. In fact, uh, for those big supermarkets, they they may some of them they will do it to release it to those unsolded food uh, to some uh, charity organization. Right. Uh, as well as uh, even I myself, we we uh, we we also support uh, by with some uh, environmental. Um, Association in Changguano as well, so well, that is uh, also can be a, a law which can um, enforce some uh, store operator to do this kind of thing. I think we can work out uh, even motivate them with the tax redux- reduction by motivate them to have those and so forth to those charity, so they don't they, they will they will not waste those kind of food. Uh, in fact, uh, some of the supermarket they may uh, they are not doing good, and they even put some bleach on on the top or some bleach powder, so they they don't let people pick up those kind of unsold food. Mm-hmm. But some they do. Um, they some they food uh, some they donate some uh, unsold food to uh, um, food angel or some other uh, charity uh, organization. That will be uh, excellent. Uh, idea. In fact, I, I strongly support. <laughs> OK, all right. Well, thanks a lot for speaking to us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, that was uh, Saikong District Councillor Christine Fong. Uh, now then, uh, just before we go to the uh, weather forecast, uh, I'd like to say thanks to all of our listeners. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. A lot of emails today. Thanks very much to you, Mike. <laughs> it's amazing to be de- discussing a problem having dealt with it 40-odd years ago. (laughs) Well, let's hope it won't be a problem for another 40 years. Let's hope it can be solved uh, fairly soon. Anyway, um, just a reminder that our weekday schedules on Radio 3 have changed now. So uh, after the news summary, uh, you will be hearing uh, Brunch with Noreen, which will be on until 12 o'clock with Noreen Mir. And then from uh, 12 to 2, uh, Phil Whelan brings you The Brew. Uh, 2 till 5, Steve James, starting an hour earlier than he used to. And from 5 till 6, The Common Room with Alice and how. So I uh, uh, hope all of our listeners will enjoy our revised um, weekday schedule on Radio 3. Now then, uh, a look at the weather. It's going to be fine and dry, uh, very hot during the day, top temperature around 34 degrees, moderate northwesterly winds. The outlook remaining very hot and dry during the day tomorrow, occasional showers on Wednesday and Thursday. Currently, the temperature is 30 degrees, humidity is at 53%. The red fire danger warning and the very hot weather warning are in effect. Given the volatility of the pandemic, please get the third COVID-19 vaccination dose soon. The antibody level will drop over time after receiving a vaccine. 